Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Happy Sunday. Good to be back here together, kind of, with you guys again. Uh, we're going to jump right in to the uh, to the text today. We're continuing uh, through John. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we hope it was uh, it was somehow a break from uh, the pandemonium. And um, we're we're picking back up here now. We're we're full into the Christmas season, and uh, we're going to stick with our text. Uh, in the book of John. So we're going to pick up here. Uh, last week, uh, Scott hit on this uh, widely known, but maybe probably rarely understood uh, verse of uh, of John 3.16, uh, and that Jesus is our Savior. Did a great job with that. This week, we're jumping into a little bit of a conversation. Again, you've probably heard this a lot uh, through the time. Um, if you've been around church, if you've been around um, this sort of an environment, but but we want to dig a little bit deeper into it. So we're picking up in John uh, chapter 3, verses 22 through 36 will be our primary text. And we're going to be talking through that. Before we get to that, uh, let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. We thank you for your son. Jesus, we do all this in your name. Would you be glorified today? Would you be exalted in our lives? Father, would you send your Holy Spirit to fill us, to indwell us, to give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive what it is that you have for us today? And it is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So we're going to just read from the text here. This is again John chapter 3, verse 22. He says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Enion near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. This is John the Baptist, not the author of the book. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who is with you? He who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, which means Messiah. But I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. Talking about Jesus. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all things, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. 
and what he has seen and heard that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So if you have been around the church, uh, the Gospel of John is pretty popular. Uh, it's, it's been read a lot. It's been talked about a lot. And we hear these, these phrases and these words quite a bit. And one of the things that we hear and we sort of reinterpret and reimagine uh, is this thing that John the Baptist says at this specific moment. Now, remember John the Baptist, he's telling his disciples exactly what his deal is. And, and his deal is that he was sent before the Messiah. He's not the Messiah. He's sent before the Messiah to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And John the Baptist says, listen, I'm not the Messiah. And he says, you know, his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples are getting a little bit jealous, a little bit insecure. And they're saying, Jesus seems to be baptizing way more people than we are now. We used to be the big deal. Now it seems to be Jesus is the big deal. And so John says this phrase, which is many times repeated. And he says, listen, he must increase. I must decrease. Right? Uh, verse 30 says, he must increase. He, John is talking about Jesus must increase. I, John, must decrease. And what happens is a lot of times Christians and followers of Jesus will say that over and over and over and over again uh, as some sort of a self-depreciating way of how we're supposed to live. And I, I want to talk about a couple of different things. First of all, this is John the Baptist talking to his disciples about Jesus while they're both on earth, uh, walking the earth, and John was sent as a forerunner to prepare the way for Jesus. And so his disciples are saying this. And so John, in this context, is saying, I must decrease. He must increase. So it's not necessarily like something that all of us Christians are, are called to. And sometimes we can take this verse to mean, you know, none of me, only Jesus, which is true in some regards, but it also discounts the very idea that you were created, uh, Ephesians tells us that you were God's uh, poem that he created, he's written about you, so that you were actually designed and created for unique things, unique giftings, unique opportunities in this unique time. And so sometimes, because sort of a misunderstanding or maybe just an over-familiarity with the text, we can say things like, he must increase and I must decrease. And it sounds good because it's in the Bible, but... What we're really saying is that, hey, listen, I'm just, I'm terrible. It has to be all of him. While that's kind of true, it can be uh, a crutch for us to allow ourselves to remain uh, in a place of sin, in, in a place of, of less than, and, and we blame Jesus. We, we basically put the, the blame and the thought on Jesus to say, you know, it's all Jesus, none of me. And so what's actually happening here is John is talking about uh, this incredible truth that there are things of the earth that are of the earth, and there are things from above that are from above. And Jesus came from above. John came from the earth. And so he's telling his disciples and he's telling us, and John, uh, the gospel writer, 
is writing this to tell us, listen, there's two ways to go about life. There are the ways of the earth and then there are ways of the heavens. Now, Jesus must, yes, increase in our life and our old life must, yes, decrease. But, but what we need to understand here is that there is a partnership between us in this new life and Jesus. Jesus is our mentor. Jesus is our, our, our prototype. We've said this over and over again. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He is our Lord and he is our Savior. And we are to be like him, right? John later tells us in, uh, in one of his letters that, that in all things we are to be like Jesus. And so that means that we are supposed to do the things that Jesus did, but we're also supposed to be the things that Jesus was. We're, we're to embody his, his values, his characteristic traits. We're to do the miracles. We're to do all that sort of stuff. And so, yes, he must increase his influence. The things of him, the things from above must increase in our life. And the things of the old person in us must decrease. It doesn't mean that we don't have our own personalities, that we don't have our own individual callings, that these things aren't worked out differently, that we don't have responsibility. But what it means is, is that there is a moment uh, in our lives where we were born again. We talked about this. And when you're born again, you're made completely new. And so now he must increase. And the things of Jesus... The works and the ways of Jesus must increase. And, and the things of this earth, the old things, our old life that's dead, must continue to decrease. And so I want to I pick up here where Paul is echoing the things that, that John the Baptist here is saying in the Gospel of John. John is, is he's saying there's two ways. There's the ways of the earth and there's the ways of the heavens. And, and heavens supersede the earth, right? He goes on to tell us that. And Paul, in Galatians, talks about that as well. And Paul tells us that there are two ways here. And we can, we can uh, take a look at this. This is in Galatians uh, 5, 17. It says this, For the flesh lusts against the spirit. So the flesh is typically used in scripture as, as people of the earth, as our, uh, our fallen desires, as, uh, as, as who we were before uh, we were born again, that sort of thing. So Paul is writing here and he says this, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And we're going to get to where he goes into to, uh, telling us what are the things uh, of the earth, what are the things of the flesh, and what are the things of the spirit, or the things of the heavens. So what I really want to drill into is that if Jesus is to increase, which he is, and if our old selves are to decrease, which they are, we need some help. I need some help in understanding how does that practically work out in my life. Because it's one thing to say, hey, listen, only Jesus, none of me. You ever heard anybody say that? I've said it. Only Jesus, none of me. That sounds great. I just don't know what it means. I, I mean, I, I was literally, uh, this week, I was, I was praying and talking to the Lord, 
And what I was praying and talking to the Lord was, man, I feel far from you. I feel empty. I feel all of these things. And, and I don't want to feel these, these things. I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if you're like this, but I think 2020 is, is starting to catch up with me. I mean, I'm getting, I'm finding myself tired. I'm finding myself uh, worn down. I'm, I'm finding myself just, just sort of pummeled around. Uh, with all of the tragedy and confusion. And honestly, I feel like we're all in a collective time of grief. Uh, we're grieving the holidays. We're, we're grieving uh, the changes, you know, something about coming into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, there, there's something in those times that reminds us of the good things that we had, reminds us of the things that we've lost. And I think us all collectively as, as a country and, and probably the rest of the world. I know there are people watching from all over uh, the world today. And, and I, th I think the whole world is in a time of grieving and a time of mourning. And, and you can really, it can, it can affect you. And I've noticed it's affecting me. And so I took some time this week to, to try and say, look, I, I, I need to, to sort of dive back in here. I need to, I need to get, get back with you, Jesus. I need to, I need to hold on to you. I, I can't let you go. I, I, I just need more. I, I need to feel your presence. I need to hear your voice. I, I, I need to be with you. And, and the Lord reminded me, he's so kind. Uh, he, he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> he's been right there and he's with me. And he said, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And what has happened is, is that I have allowed everything that's going on to sort of just get me distracted, uh, to get me off my game, to keep me from, from, from spending real time with the, the most important uh, person in my life, which is, which is Jesus. And I began to think about how this whole thing, the scriptures, everything, it's, it's about us having a relationship with God. It's about us being in union with the Father. And, and if it's about a relationship, then it's about time together, right? Intentional time together. Think about any relationship. Think about a marriage. Think about a romantic relationship. Think about a friendship. Uh, think about paternal relationships. Uh, think about relationships with your kids. What does a relationship consist of? It consists of time together. It's, it's one thing to study them, and it's another thing to spend time with them. And so here we have a, a, an extremely long group of scriptures all put together in the Bible that is all about how God designed us to be in relationship with him and how he's now working uh, to get us back into relationship with him. It's, it's relationship. That's what he wants. And so a relationship means that you spend time together, that you do the things uh, that, that you're, you're in the relationship, the other person that you're in the relationship with does, that you, you spend time doing common things, having conversations, sharing moments, sharing activities, sharing our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our, our fears, uh, the things that, that are worrying us, our anxieties that are keeping us up. This is how you convert, you cultivate a healthy relationship. It, it, there's honesty. You're, you're honest. I had to get honest with the Lord and say, I, I'm empty. I, I'm not feeling it. I don't even feel like a believer at this moment. I, I, just, I just feel empty and tired. Well, that's an honest moment that I get to share with my father. 
And so relationships take that. It takes a vulnerability to allow the other person to speak into our lives, to allow the Father to speak into our lives. You know, relationships, we, we're trying to bring the other person uh, up from where they are into their, into their idealized and best, uh, best self. Same with the Father. He's trying to bring us out of this old life that, that we've crucified into the life that he has for us. So if that is what a relationship is, then, then when Jesus must increase in our lives, that means that we begin to spend time with Jesus and we begin to do the things that Jesus did and move the ways that Jesus moved. And the more that we do that with him, the more he increases, his influence increases, his lordship increases, his, uh, his prowess, his dominion, uh, everything begins to increase in our life, the more we actually begin to participate in his life. So this is what it means when we think about Jesus increasing and us decreasing. It means, are we being influenced? Are, are we being uh, underneath? Are we moving like Jesus moved and doing the things that Jesus did. So it begs the question, are we? And, and to the degree that we are, I would say, would be the degree that he is increasing and we're de decreasing. So to the degree that we're doing the things that Jesus did and being the person embodying the character and values that Jesus is, is the, is the degree that we're decreasing and he's increasing in our lives. You start to hang out with people. You start to build a relationship with people. You'll start to act and think alike. Uh, this is why people say that you're, you're the, uh, the least common denominator of your immediate friend group. Is, is what happens to us. We, we just begin to take on those characteristics. So if we want Jesus to increase, which we do, and we want us to decrease, which we do, because that us is dead, then we need to ask ourselves, are we doing the things that Jesus did? And are we moving the way that Jesus moved? Right? Uh, show me your ways, how you work and how you move. So the New Testament calls these things honestly, uh, in order to, to figure out how did Jesus work and how did Jesus move, they have a term for it. They call it the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. And so we can begin to look in Scripture and say, how did Jesus work? And how did Jesus move? And we can look at the gifts of the Spirit, because remember, it's the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus to us. He had to go to heaven so that he could send the Holy Spirit and dwell in us. It's the Spirit of God through the Son of God living inside of us and, and moving inside of us. So when we say gifts of the Spirit, sometimes we can begin to, to, to forget about what that means, but it's the Spirit of Christ. It's the Spirit of Jesus. It's the Spirit of the Father. It, it's the Holy Spirit. They're three in one, three unique but one. We don't have time on online thing to get into uh, the Trinity. That's a big one. And uh, we, we can do that later. I don't want to get bogged down in that. I don't even understand all of it. I don't think anybody quite does. But 
I did want to make sure that we make that distinction. Three in one. Three unique in one, just in case anybody was fact-checking me. So that's what we believe. But, so it's the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And so the gifts of the Spirit would be the things that Jesus did. How did he work? And the fruits of the Spirit would be the embodiment of who Jesus was and is today. And so we can use these things uh, as, a, as a bit of a guide uh, for how we're to do. So let's take a look uh, first at, at a fact-checking scripture and then going through this. Uh, so if you want to go to 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verses, uh, we're going to start with verses 4 through 6. And Paul talks about a little bit uh, of what I just said. He says this, uh, There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. See their spirit? There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, Lord Jesus. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God, the Father, who works all in all. So in other words, look, the Spirit is the Spirit of God. And, and, and that Spirit manifests Himself through these different gifts that He gives out in the Spirit. So then Paul goes forward to list out those gifts. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 7. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one it is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, these would encompass how Jesus worked. So when, when Jesus does miraculous things, and we're supposed to do even greater things, is what the scripture tells us, is what Jesus tells us, then, then the way that that happens is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as I was thinking about this and studying these, I was a bit struck, uh, even even in my own time uh, of leading this church and, and all of this, you know, these are called gifts of the Holy Spirit. And gifts means that they're gifts, right? That's pretty deep. And to, to, to receive a gift, what do you have to do? You have to receive it. There's really not much much that has to be done. And I was, I was struck as I was thinking about this, how much we focus on, um, you know, from, from my background, uh, this idea of, of the gifts, when really the gifts are easy. All you have to do is receive them. And we put a lot of effort and energy and focus and conferences and time and studies and books and schools on just receiving gifts. He's the giver. We just go like this. What do you want to do? He puts it in our hands. We do the things that Jesus did. And, and we've really created a lot of things around that, around something that's quite quite easy uh, to get is to receive a gift. That's pretty easy to do. I've noticed there's there's not as much conferences, schools, teaching, information about the embodiment of who Jesus is. And those are called the fruits of the Spirit. And so how does Jesus work? He works by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's how we can work. And how does Jesus move? Who is Jesus? What is he like? What does he think? How does he react? What is the culture? What are his values? Uh, what kind of a person is he? Who, you know, who is he? Those are the fruits. And gifts are easy. They're receivable. You just open your hands, receive them. Fruits, that's a different word. 
to grow fruits, it takes time. It takes cultivating. It, it takes it takes all of those different things that, that go into place uh, for the fruits to be grown. So if you have no fruit, right, and then you want to grow fruit, boy, that's quite a process. And it's an in-depth process. It's, a, it's really a complicated process to some degree. Um, you just try growing out and, and planting some sort of a mango tree or something like that. I mean, may or may not work. It's a pretty complicated process. Yet, we don't have a tremendous amount uh, of conferences, studies, schools on the fruits because, quite frankly, the fruits, they're harder. They're not nearly as flashy. Uh, they may not even be as fun. It's inward, and, and it's, it's who we are as a person. But these are really important because if Jesus is increasing indeed, then so should the fruits of the Spirit be increasing indeed. And just as we read before, uh, where uh, John the Baptist is taking these two things, things of the earth or of the earth, and things of the heavens or of the, or of the heavens, so here does Paul in Galatians. And he takes these two things and he says this. We'll read it again in Galatians 5, 17. It says, for the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit. So he has these two paradigms here. And the Spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, in other words, if you're in growing, continual relationship by the Spirit of God into fellowship, relationship with Jesus and the Father, if, if that is happening, if He is increasing and you are decreasing, you're not under the law. He's talking about grace and, and the law here. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So now here comes Paul. And he's helping us to understand, are we indeed decreasing and him increasing? So, so this is a good litmus test for us to look at and say, boy, which, which side am, am I on on this as far as the fruits go? Because there's a fruit of the flesh, fruit of the earth, and then there's a fruit of the spirit. And, and these are things that are inside of us. And, and Paul goes on and he says this. Now, the works of the flesh, the fruits of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Now, that means, I'm going to break these things down because if you're anything like me, I just gloss over these things and just move on. He says they're adultery. Adultery means sleeping with anyone other than your spouse, right? Jesus takes it a step further, and it means thinking about sleeping with anyone other than your spouse. So that's a fruit of the flesh. A fruit of the Spirit is not that. Fruit of the earth is that. You may call these sins. Paul goes on and lists it. And he says, uh, adultery. We understand what that is. Fornication. That's a weird word. We're not sure what it means. Luckily, we can do a little bit of study. And the Greek word for this fornication is porneia. And it, it's, it's basically this illicit list of, of sexual acts and deviancy. Uh, everything from uh, homosexuality, to pedophilia, to bestiality, to pornography, all of those things. Guess what? That's a fruit of the earth. That's a fruit of the flesh. Those are sins. So if you have those things evident in your life, it's a good, uh, it's a good litmus test to say, boy, it looks like Jesus needs to increase a little more and I need to decrease a little more, right? Then he goes on after fornication to uncleanness. Now, this, is, this references the Levitical laws of, of cleanliness and holiness um, that we find, obviously, in the book of Leviticus. And you can go and read those things, the different things that you're uh, to do and not supposed to do. But remember, Jesus doubles down. He doesn't make 
it easier to sin. He, or he, he makes it easier for us uh, to, to fall into these temptations where, um, you know, up until Jesus, it was ritualistic and all of that. But Jesus talks to the Pharisees. He used this words uncleanliness. The Pharisees weren't necessarily doing any of the unclean laws. They were unclean in their hearts. And so it hadn't penetrated into their characteristics. So it's uncleanliness, lewdness. You know what that means? Just sort of a bombastic, lewd, uh, vulgar, all of that sort of thing. Idolatry, that's putting anything in the place of God, anything in the place of God. You, your family, your money, your safety, your security, any of that stuff. Guess what? That's a fruit of the flesh. That is a fruit of the earth, not a fruit of the above. So if that's in our hearts, Jesus must increase. We must decrease. Uh, sorcery, that's witchcraft. And guess what? There is a lot of things that can be witchcraft that you may or may not realize. Uh, the Holy Spirit, if you take time and say, is this witchcraft? Is this okay? Or is this out of bounds? He'll tell you. I promise. He's done it with me. It's also manipulation. It's also using things and tricking people and twisting their wills to get what you want. Those are all different forms of sorcery and witchcraft. Everything from white magic all the way to manipulation. So again, we don't need to gloss over these things. We need to take inventory on these things so that we can begin to live like Jesus, how he works and how he moves, okay? Uh, hatred, pretty simple, except man, I think a lot of us are dealing with some sort of embedded hatred in our lives. We, we have this towards, towards different races, maybe, towards different uh, classes, towards different people, towards maybe different politicians or political stances. I mean, it's, it's there and it's pretty easy to see out here. It's hard to see in here. So we have to, again, invite the Holy Spirit, take an account. What side of, uh, of the fence are we on? Are we on the fence of the earth? Are we on the fence of heaven? Which, which side are we on here? Um, contention. So this is anything, you know, contention, drawing, uh, division. He goes into that a little bit more, uh, through jealousies. You know, do you see things? Do you covet it? Do you want it for yourself? Are you jealous of someone's life? You know, in the, in the, in the age of, of Instagram influencers where people are inundated with, with people that seem to have much better lives than any of us, uh, are, are we, are we consumed by jealousy? I would say we probably are. Outbursts of wrath. You ever driven around in Nashville during during rush hour? I have. I've had a lot of outbursts of wrath. And actually, I just read an article where they're doing research. That's growing. Road rage is growing. There was a terrible incident just just a few days ago where someone was shot uh, during during an act of road rage, and they're studying it and trying to figure out how to stop it because these outbursts of wrath are growing exponentially. These things seem to be taking root uh, in a lot of our lives, and maybe 2020 is the right kind of soil to cultivate the wrong kind of fruits. Uh, selfish ambition. Boy, check that one off. Uh, that one is anything that you're doing to try and promote yourself. Anything that you're doing to try and make yourself great. Uh, that can include, you, you name it, just, just to take some time and pray through this. Dissensions, any sort of divisiveness, I, I, any sort of things that cause division, any sort of things that are anti uh, bringing things together, unity. There's a lot. I, I can go on, but I don't think I have to. Uh, heresies, that's anything against uh, the scripture. There's a lot of heretical doctrines going around right now, and we don't want to be heresy hunters 
Uh, but we need to really look into what is actually being said, what is actually being believed. Am I believing anything that's heretical? It's worth taking time to inspect uh, the inside. Uh, let's see, envy, again, with jealousy, you want something badly. You lust after something that's not yours. You envy their life, you envy their family, you envy their position, you envy a life that you wish you would have had, a life that maybe was stolen from you. Again, I think a lot of us are suffering from a lot of these. Uh, murders, well, I think most of us can say, well, that's not me. Uh, but Jesus, again, takes this, right? He takes us to the next level. It's like, if, you, if you've hated anyone, if you've cursed anyone, that's probably most of us now, right? So we're now call calling ourselves murderers uh, again. Drunkenness. Drunkenness. Just go ahead and define that however you'd like. Reveries, you know, wild, crazy, uh, lewd, vulgar um, party type things. And the like, which of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past. Apparently Paul has told these guys multiple times. Look, these are the things that people of the flesh do. And these are the fruits that people that have Jesus increasing their life do. And he says, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not something we should gloss over. Okay. We should really want to inspect, spend some time in this chapter of Galatians to say, boy, are there any of these things living? Am I having these sort of fruits? Repent. That means ask forgiveness, confess it, and turn from it, change it, ask the Holy Spirit to take it away from you, to remove those things, and to supplant them with the fruits of the Spirit, which, thankfully, Paul is now getting into, right? That was a little uncomfortable for all of us. And Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. In other words, read, have decreased their flesh with its passions and desires so that, I'm, I'm going on here, Paul didn't say this, so that Jesus can increase in our flesh. So that's a big order. It's fun to talk about the gifts. I love talking about the gifts. I love equipping about the gifts. The, the works of Jesus, man, I could spend hours and hours and hours talking about that. I love to do them. It's fun. Uh, it's exciting. It's, it's something you can see. When we get to the fruits, man, those things are hard. They take time. But he must continue to increase. And we must continue to decrease. Now, an interesting point here that I, I would really like to, to sort of land on here. Gifts are given freely. And the scripture is going to tell us that gifts are given even without repentance. God's just way better than we ever think he would be. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't judge you. He loves you. And he came to save you out of these fruits of the flesh. These fruits of the flesh are destructive. We could go after story after story after story about how all of these things work to kill us, to kill our relationships, uh, to kill us literally and physically, um, to, to kill joy and happiness and, and, and actual uh, um, uh, pleasure and hope and, and trust. It, these things are, are kryptonite uh, to us, but we continue to imbibe them over and over again because we're in a world 
of the earth, right? We're living on the earth. And so we're inundated by these things. But the heavens are superior. That's what John the Baptist says, right? And the fruits of the Spirit are superior as well. And they're worth taking time to take account, to study, to pour over, to look into. They're worth the time to spend. They're worth the time to cultivate, the time to grow. And one of the things that I did is I took the fruits of the Spirit. I would like to challenge you all to do this as well. I don't think there's a right and wrong answer, but I took the fruits of the Spirit and... Um, I'm a business nerd, so I, I made a spreadsheet. You might not want to make a spreadsheet, but I put them in a spreadsheet here, different fruits. And then what I tried to do is I tried to match uh, what those fruits were the answer to when it came to the fruits of the flesh. And it really was was interesting to me of, of the different uh, the different things that I found. Wow, these two things are stand opposed to one another. These two things actually stand, stand at, at odds with each other. And so it helps me to... Uh, to remember, okay, these, these are, this is how Jesus moves. If Jesus is increasing in my life, uh, this is how he's moving. And so I want to move with Jesus. And that means time with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, you'll begin to have these fruits cultivated to begin to grow. What it says here, it says that the ones that participate in, in the fruits of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. That can mean a lot of things. It can mean hell. It can mean that you will not see uh, salvation. It can also mean that uh, you will not be able to experience here on earth the things of the kingdom as fruitfully as those that are working on cultivating the fruits. Let's maybe spend more time working on cultivating the fruits than we are on figuring out how to receive a gift. I promise you, one is easier than the other. The gifts are easy. The fruit is time-consuming. It, it's, it's, it takes discipline. It takes day after day after day of walking with Jesus, of allowing the Holy Spirit to search your heart, and allowing him to, to begin to grow those fruits and remove the fruits of the flesh. This is vitally important because we want to live a life, only Jesus, none of us. This is how we can tell it. I'll end it with this. I heard a story of someone, uh, and I think it was, they were saying it was about an Amish guy, and, and someone came to him and they asked him, are you a Christian? And he said, well, for that answer, you have to ask my neighbor. And that's a big statement where he's saying, I, I can tell you yes or no, but ask my neighbor and he'll tell you if I'm, if I'm a Christian, if I hold these fruits or if I don't. What would your spouse say? What would your kids say? Uh, what would your coworkers say? Uh, what would the people that are driving down the road with you say? Which, which, which fruits are you growing? This isn't a condemnation message. This is a hopeful message because it's so easy to ask for forgiveness, to repent, to turn, and then to begin to cultivate these fruits. I'm going to pray. We're going to close. I went way over, but I think this is way worth it. So, Holy Spirit, we need you, maybe now more than we've ever thought we needed you, um, to, to grow these fruits in us. We cannot, we cannot turn our hateful hearts into loving hearts. We just can't do it. Only you can do it. So we repent of the things that we're doing 
that are that are fruits of the flesh? Would you search our hearts? Would you search us and know us? And, and where are those fruits of the flesh? What do we need to lay down? What do we need to repent of? Would you show us that? And would you help us? We repent from those things. We we turn from those things. We, we want to lay those things down. Would you remove those things? Remove those sins. Pull out those fruits by the roots. Take them away from us. And then, Holy Spirit, would you, would you plant inside of us the seeds for the good fruit to replace those things? We can't do it. We're completely helpless. We need your grace and empowerment to do this for us. And Jesus, it is because of your sacrifice, your death on the cross, your resurrection, that we're actually able to participate with you and to, to grow the fruits uh, and begin to embody the characteristics and the values that you have. And so we're so thankful for that. And it's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Now, real quick, some of you may have never experienced what a life of fruit living is, right? Fruit of the Spirit living is. Uh, we want to encourage you to sign up for our um, online uh, New Believer class. And we'll begin to walk through with you uh, to disciple that. We're gathering uh, participants and we're probably going to start that uh, over the next couple of weeks with, with different participants. So if that's you, go to our website. Join that and uh, we'll get it. Otherwise, we'll see you in home churches. And we'll see you right back here next week. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening and we hope you have a great day.